South Sudan in focus on the Voice of America. I'm John Tanza in Washington working on this program very remote. Here are some of the top stories making news across South Sudan this Monday, November 21st, 2022. Five people were killed during intercommunal fighting in Warap State. They are apprehended and they are now in the custody at the county level. And therefore the law will take its course. There is no problem for that. And the Netherlands ambassador to South Sudan says some good news can also come from the country. I was convinced uh, that there was something to show for, uh, that entrepreneurship is vital in every country, not only in developments, even in countries like South Sudan. We'll have these stories and more coming up on South Sudan in Focus. Authorities in Warap State say five people were killed and 15 others wounded during intercommunal fighting on Friday and Saturday. The Minister for Information in Warap State says the state government has deployed the South Sudan People's Defense Force to the area to prevent further clashes. For VOA News, William Sandemabor reports from the Lake State Capital, Rumbek. Warab State Information Minister William Walmayom says the fighting started after a young woman from the Kwok community eloped with a young man from Abuang community. He says young men from Akwak and Abuang communities fought each other using sticks and later fired guns. Mayom says other communities, including the Aruba and Kwok, later joined the fighting against the Abuang community. To prevent further bloodshed, Mayom says Warab state officials deployed South Sudan People's Defense Forces soldiers to the area on Sunday. The government of Warab state has sent in the LSPDF who are stationed at Romney headquarters to each county. And the commissioner, the community leaders, politicians of the area intervened and they have actually initiated a reconciliation. And uh, the government is monitoring it again. Mayom says members of the families involved in the initial fighting were arrested. They are apprehended and they are now in the custody at the county level. And therefore the law will save its cost. There is no problem for that. So the, what we don't want is actually the escalation of the problem. But already uh, the suspect shall also face the law. Because it's not guaranteed for any person to take the life of, 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 the, of the other person. Mayor pressed the government's condolences to the affected families and asked the brief to remain calm and allow the government to handle the matter. On behalf of uh, Honorable Governor Manim Bormalik, uh, the uh, affected families that they should remain calm. The government will actually uh, put law into its cost. And, and in general, Warab State has been in relative calm. Mayom calls on all the communities involved to refrain from violence. Kwai Mayom, a lawmaker in Warab State Legislative Assembly, condemned the killings in Tony East County. This we will not be happy with what happened. Nobody will be happy because all of us will need peace in this country. Because the losses, this revenge will not take us anywhere. Revenge after revenge, revenge after revenge. Nobody happy about losing the people. It is a country for all of us and we need the physical coexistence. Wall says this is the second time communities in Tonis have engaged in deadly battles over a young woman getting in love with the man outside of her community. In 2017, a similar incident occurred between the two sections of Wuntuch 
and Wuna Del, leading to the death of 46 people and wounding of dozens of others. For VOA News, I am William Sande Mabur, reporting in Rumbek, Lagos State. Still on fighting, authorities in Fashoda County of Upper Nile State say unknown number of people were killed and thousands are displaced when armed young men attacked the area Sunday. The Commission of Fashoda County says the gunmen allegedly killed several civilians and set homes on fire. VOA could not independently verify these accounts. Dengai Deng reports for VOA from Juba. Joseph Aban, the commissioner of Pashoda County, says armed men suspected of coming from neighboring Fanga County of Jongle State illegally entered this county yesterday and attacked villagers. There was fighting that took place yesterday and it has started two days earlier. Up to now, we have not yet established the number of people killed and those injured. The people are still tense about the fight since yesterday. These young men came from Jongle State and they crossed to a place called Biel Biel. It's an area belonging to Panikang. Aban says more than 11,000 civilians have been displaced from Pashoda County since August when the clashes erupted. The leadership of the county is responsible for helping those who have been displaced from their homes by looking for them a place to settle and giving them at least a little food. But now, the small food we had has got finished. We gave. Fanga County Commissioner Bitruth Biel says he has no knowledge of the attack in Fashoda County. Fighting has been on and off. So in reason, in reason around uh, this uh, um, earlier this month, they also came out from Atar and attacked PG County. And uh, in Newfoundland, the, the same displacement, people have not yet returned properly to the town. Although some individuals are returning, but um, they are still around Newfoundland in a very desperate situation. The United Nations mission in South Sudan said in a statement released yesterday, it is deeply concerned about emerging reports of violence in Pashoda County between armed young men from Fanga County of Jungle States and youth from Fashoda County. The fighting is impacting the lives of many civilians with reports of further displacement into Malakal and Kodok towns where the situation remains tense and volatile. The mission calls on the government authorities, key community leaders and elders, both Shuluk and Noor groups in Jongle and Upper Nile State to use their influence to stop these brutal violence and prevent further suffering of civilians. On Mr. H, the South Sudan People's Defense Forces based in Kodok town to intervene Army spokesperson Major General Lul Rai Kong says the military is aware of the latest attack in Fashoda County. Yeah, the issue of uh, ongoing clashes in uh, Upper Nile State was officially addressed by the leaders at the graduation ceremony here in Malakal. Uh, Honorable advisor for security said that the situation in greater Upper Nile region will be factored in and he had proposed for a conference to be held. Uh, on a day to be set so that uh, the sons and daughters from Greater Upper Nile do a whole dialogue in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, with the view of finding a, a peaceful solution. Unmis is urging those who mobilized the young men in both communities to stop such mobilizations and embrace peaceful means to address any grievances. For VOA News, I am Deng Gaiden.
in Juba. Diplomats, government and UN officials and some members of local non-profits in South Sudan mark this year's Global Entrepreneurship Week by rewarding the work of some women entrepreneurs in Central Equatoria State. Juliana Shiapai drove north of the capital Juba on Friday to witness the launch of the Terkeka Fish Market and has this story for view away from Juba. Officials with the Food and Agriculture Organization, the World Bank, the Netherlands Ambassador to South Sudan and the National Ministry of Fisheries and Livestock launched and handed over a fish market to women's group in Terkaka County on Friday. The women's group also received new technology known as the FAO Theoria Technique or FTT used for drying and smoking fish on a small scale. Meshak Malo, country representative for the Food and Agriculture Organization in South Sudan, says some South Sudanese have a better shot of success once they have the right tools to run a small-scale business. So today we were here to see women who are uh, preserving the, the fish in order to improve the shelf life. We were here to see the young people who are engaged in boat building so that the lifespan of the boats can be enhanced below the normal uh, uh, two years and we've also been able to to have the hospitality of the women who are using a new advanced methodology of fish drying that is more healthy and is more secure that was adopted brought by FAO from uh, Ghana. The Secretary General of Women's Group called Watenakita, Mary Malaro says her group is frequently challenged by young boys who compete with women during the peak fishing period on the River Nile. Fish come, but our boys do not like mothers. But when we need the fish, they do not want. But we still force ourselves. We get that small amount. We get the groups to do the work. The first group works. The second group also works. So when we make profits, every group saves 2,500 South Sudanese pounds in the office so that when we run out of cash, we use the savings. Malo says South Sudan can feed its own population if farmers are empowered with the proper tools for food production. This country was able to produce last year up to 850,000 metric tons of food. Actually, the amount of food aid that came to this country is just roughly slightly below 400,000 metric tons. So if it can be remembered is that we had predicted a near famine in this country. But what was able to save this country from farming was the South Sudanese themselves with their production in, in the cereal, although it never reached the anticipated amount of about a million. Netherlands Ambassador to South Sudan, Marjan Skippers, says the resilience of the country's entrepreneurs speak for itself. I was convinced uh, that there was something to show for, uh, that entrepreneurship is vital in every country, not only in developments, even in countries like South Sudan, or I would say just in countries like South Sudan. And I think today has really uh, convinced me uh, that... Uh, we should continue to pay attention to uh, entrepreneurship uh, that it can thrive.
Skipper says peace and stability are necessary for the entrepreneurship to thrive. When there is relative peace, as I see today in Turkaki, then it is vital. You see dynamism, you see optimism. Uh, I think that's very important. And uh, South Sudan is maybe from the outside also looked as a bit, uh, well, some people get a bit desperate. And we will see, I think, also around Christmas, uh, images of starving children. Uh, but there's also another side to South Sudan, and I think uh, the people of South Sudan deserve also a little bit of hope from all the people that work very hard. The Food and Agriculture Organization also donated the new grinding machine to the Watenakita Women's Group to process peanut butter. For VOA News, I am Juliana Shiapai in Juba. Listening to South Sudan in Focus on the Voice of America. Coming up, the World Cup match between Senegal and Netherlands is on right now. Visit www.voaafrica.com forward slash World Cup for the latest on the matches in Qatar. What do you think? People speak out on important questions. Question today. What do you do when you are in a bad mood? I usually would move away from the environment of the agitation and then get a quiet place and pray. Usually when I'm done praying, the agitation and the stress, I get some amount of relief. Sometimes I decide to sleep and maybe read a novel that can make my mind come like back to normal. Yeah, that's what I normally do. I rather stay alone and I listen to music, uplifting music, music that has good lyrics that would uplift my spirit. Okay, when I'm in the bad mood, I sometimes I play video games just to make me feel happy. Actually, I call mom, I talk to her, tell her what's disturbing me, she advises me then, it's a done deal. What do you think? A daily discussion of important questions from VOA. This is a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. The World Health Organization and U.S. Centers for Disease Control say coughing and sneezing can spread COVID-19. Physical distancing, staying at least one meter away from people outside your family can protect everyone. For more information, check with reliable sources such as the WHO and Africa CDC. And remember to listen to VOA for the latest on COVID-19. That was a message in the public interest from VOA Africa. South Sudan in focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. You're listening to South Sudan in focus on the voice of America. 
the Atlas Lions of Morocco have the biggest social media following among the five African football teams competing at the World Cup. That's according to Mario Liu, CEO of Result Sports. In an interview with Mike Bonnier, Liu gave details and also his picks for the African teams that could advance to the knockout stage. The African teams are, are constantly growing their follower base, um, and especially the World Cup provides a platform where this following and community size will significantly increase. Um, biggest team already kind of in multi-million followers is Morocco, with more than 2.3 million followers across their um, social media following, majority following on, on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And um, yes, yeah, so Morocco is the strongest one, followed uh, in second position by Tunisia with uh, close to 800,000 and um, Ghana with close to 800,000 um, followers. So they are in a, in a hunt as well. Somewhere bottom half of the overall participating nations um, and unfortunately um, Senegal who is probably the strongest contender from a sporting perspective despite uh, the loss of Sadio Mane um, and uh, Cameroon um, uh, just uh, just about 600k or just over 600k in the following in the bottom five of the participating teams um, but I hope yeah, with the African spirit and the African passion uh, representing their nations uh, and their countries at the global stage of the World Cup that all five teams will significantly increase their social media following throughout the tournament. Among the African teams going to the World Cup, which one has the highest rating by fans in Africa and in Europe? I think obviously the reigning African champion Senegal yeah, has got a team pretty much picked full of stars um, and obviously the, the European leagues um, seeing the, the Senegalese national team players week in week out in their league competitions yeah, and, and that's just, just fantastic. Um, to be representing as the African, as the reigning African champion to come to the stage of the World Cup, I'm sure to come with full of confidence, full of pride to be coming into the uh, World Cup, um, entering that. But also, obviously, Morocco uh, with uh, uh, Hakim Ziyech, um, Achraf Hakimi um, from, from PSG and Ziyech playing in Italy in Serie A. Um, Morocco has also a very, very strong team uh, to be competing into the World Cup. But also yeah, Cameroon with Eric uh, Maxim Choupo-Moting from FC Bayern, who's really uh, on, a, on a goal-scoring record in his career for playing for Bayern and scoring pretty much every game. So I think the African teams um, are, are very, very strongly um aware or that the opponents are strongly aware of the potential strength um, of African participating teams at the World Cup and um, some of them actually had a bit of luck uh, with the group drawing so um, I, I, I believe that obviously from a European rating or from my personal rating I would say Senegal being number one um, Morocco being uh, number two um, then I believe Cameroon, number three, Ghana, number three, yeah, more, probably a bit more Ghana than Cameroon, and unfortunately Tunisia is sort of 
the the underdog or the lowest rated um, African participant at the World Cup from a European and also possibly from an um, African perspective. Mario, do you think any of the African teams can make it beyond the group stage at the World Cup? Mike, this is a very good question and obviously there is big hope um, and big expectation for the African teams coming to the World Cup entering the World Cup in their respective groups. Um, and I personally believe that actually two African teams have the possibility to go into the knockout stage, potentially even three. And I give you the assessment on that. Obviously, Senegal will face Netherlands um, in their opening game of the World Cup in Group A, yeah, together with Qatar and Ecuador. Um, and when you look into the draw, obviously, for me, Senegal is, besides the Netherlands, yeah, on paper, the favorite to top the group. And I think it's an advantage for the Senegal team to play Netherlands the strongest opponent in match day one um, because the Netherlands or the Dutch they are usually not a tournament team they need one game to enter the tournament and I think if if Senegal is, is able to sort of really bring up their their possibilities and bring up their best performance and having Sadio Mane on the sidelines their cheer team supporting the team hopefully that would be perfect to give that spirit um, and then I think yes um, Senegal will possibly top the group um, in group A um, entering the knockout stage as a group leader um, but also on the other hand I, I believe that Morocco um, has a big chance um, to enter the knockout stage because being in a group with Croatia or they will battle with Croatia for the second place in their group and I think they also have a very very good chance to enter the next group and uh, third one I believe that from a group perspective from the opponent perspective that Cameroon has an outside chance um, to come into the knockout stage so for me it looks quite bright because Africa is not the underdogs African players in Europe European leagues in their respective clubs um, around Europe in Africa are uh, uh, the, the the stars. Yeah, they are the the driving force, and that's what makes me very hopeful that Africa um, have a big chance to have two, possibly three teams in the knockout stage at the World Cup. And I wish them the very best, and uh, hope and pray that uh, this will come through. That's Mario Leo, the CEO of Result Sports. He spoke with Mike Bonnier on the telephone from Germany. Next, an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. There are many culprits behind today's food crisis, said USAID Administrator Samantha Power at the World Food Prize Borlaug Dialogue. But the truth is climate change is wreaking havoc faster than we can respond. Temperatures and floodwaters are now rising faster than emergency assistance budgets. There is just no way we can keep up simply through cash or food aid. The course we are on is unsustainable. If climate change were to lead to multiple simultaneous breadbasket failures in coming years, the potential is almost too dark to imagine. 
But there is a path out of the darkness, a path forged by the creator of the World Food Prize, the agronomist and Nobel Peace Prize laureate Norman Borlaug, who is widely regarded as the father of the Green Revolution. After many years of research, Dr. Borlaug created new strains of staple grains like wheat and rice that helped to bring about significant food production increases across Asia and Latin America, said Administrator Power. Today, as we stare down a global food crisis and as we have to anticipate more climate-induced pressure on food production in the future, it is clear that we must learn the lessons of the past and tailor and scale our methods to the world that we now face. We need to accelerate and dramatically expand efforts to transform what we grow, how we grow it, and who benefits. Genome sequencing allows scientists to rapidly select the most desirable varieties to cross, in some cases shortening the breeding process from years to a matter of months, said Administrator Power. USAID is supporting this kind of accelerated breeding around the world. In the 1990s, USAID and the Rockefeller Foundation supported a talented young Ethiopian scientist who bred new varieties of sorghum resistant to drought and the parasitic weed striga. The new seeds distributed in 12 countries across sub-Saharan Africa, including in the Horn, quadrupled yields even in areas facing severe drought. That scientist was Dr. Gabiza Ajeta, who won the World Food Prize in 2009. Today, we're supporting a new generation of African scientists building on Dr. Jeta's work. USAID will invest nearly $3.8 million to support the ISAAA AfroCenter, Kenyatta University, and Addis Ababa University to develop new Striga Smart varieties of sorghum, said Administrator Power. The primary lesson of the Green Revolution was clear. With investments in agricultural productivity and fundamental research, food supply can grow faster than demand. That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government. South Sudan in Focus is now on WhatsApp. Send us a message on plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. Tell us what's happening in your area or give us your feedback on the stories you hear on South Sudan in focus. We look forward to hearing from you on WhatsApp. That number again, plus one two zero two six three zero eight zero one one. And that wraps up our show for this Monday. Don't forget to check out voaafrica.com for all your favorite programs and news updates. If you missed this broadcast, go to www.voaafrica.com forward slash South Sudan. We now leave you with the song Aisha by Khalid.
Listening to Khalid and the song Aisha. I'm your host, John Tanza in Washington. Thanks for taking time to be with us. Remember to join us tomorrow for another edition of South Sudan in Focus from the Voice of America.